0: Gilligist Alexander Dude He smoked him bro We all smoked Dude. him He smoked the nuts That's all I gotta say
1: It wasn't When you smoke nuts like that You've gotta to remember To at least leave a tip Thanks Thanks for coming to Oklahoma City Brooklyn We'll see you In the Barclays Center <laughs> We
0: needed <soon>. that win <laughs> We'll see you in a couple weeks Alright man we're, we're cruising right now guys We're vibing this is, is what it is. By the way, I have to say this. Shout out to Jacques Vaughn, one of the all-time greatest beards I've ever seen. Dude, he's so baller. It's, it's, it's one thing to have a fantastic beard. It's another thing to rock that gray like he is. I hope that someday I can have half the beard that Jacques has. He's my hero. I
1: think, I think it's crucial to have uh, coaches like Jacques Vaughn. I mean, if you guys know anything about 1990s hoops, um, Jacques Vaughn in college was a stud. Um, I like Jacques Vaughn a lot. So, for me, um, I've always been a big fan of him. So, seeing he's doing well in Brooklyn is 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 big, especially after the uh, failed experiment with um, Stevie O. Nash, bro. So, success for Jacques Vaughn. Sure, Stevie man. Stevie
0: O. Nash, dude. How about that? All
1: right. Well, let's
0: talk about our team because the reality is we like what we're seeing from our coach.
1: And Fuck yeah
0: we do. That's where this really starts. That's where this is that's what this is all about right now. Like I get it. We got the best player in the NBA with Shea, best two way player. We got the best get rookie that, in the league. But what I love about our coach is that the players feel like they can they're free to be themselves. Like and I know. Deep down, I know we're not getting the best version out of anybody that we're seeing play right now because our coach is committed to giving them
1: the room to, to continue to improve and become the wait, best. Wait. Back up, back up, back up. Are you saying that you think this team has a little ways to go before we're, we're peaking? Well, I think
0: that's on purpose. I think coach builds
1: uh, a team and a system in a way
0: where we're not playing our best basketball at the beginning of the year because he doesn't come in and say like, we're going to try to get 82 wins. Like we want to win every game. So but I, I just, you, I you get, build your rotations, you build your offense around, okay, where do we want to be at the end of the season? And you continue sure. to add wrinkles and improve as you get to that, that point. i
1: um, I mean, I, I just, I get when it comes to peaking for this team, right? Like seeing um, a team, like what we've been very clear with, what we believe the, Timberwolves peaked too early, um, and that's a a perfect example of what we're talking about now. The Timberwolves also have seventeen games in January as well, so you guys need to keep an eye on that, um, how well they'll do after the seventeen games. But I I I look at our team and and I see that what we're building towards for the future, Mark, right, and understanding that game management, right, um, resting players, um, you know, minutes management. You've got, um, the way that coach, uh, really just listens to these players like last night or the uh, other night when, um, uh, coach ch- used his challenge, right. Uh, he looked at Chet and Chet goes, I didn't touch him when we, when I, you know, hit the ball, I didn't touch him. Right. And coach challenged him immediately. He didn't wait for the assistant coaches. He didn't wait for anything, anybody else like that. He challenged only off of what Chet said to him and people are like, well, that's not very smart. Don't do that. But this is the trust level he has with these guys. He's looking at a rookie and he's saying, Did you foul him? He's like, I didn't I didn't foul him when the, the ball was in the air. No. Right? That's it. You know, like I, I I like this. This goes back to the beginning of of building a team and a coach and an organization that's that's going to follow each other. You know, that trust that coach gives, the players give back to the coach. And now coach is saying, You guys are special. We believe in you. And you're right. This team isn't close to peaking yet. And I'll be honest with you, is that I don't know if we're going to see this team peaking until March, which is scary Mm. to me. Yeah. Because if this team isn't peaking until March, like truly peaking until March, then we're looking at something that is is very rare. And I was watching a short, guys, before I hand this right back over. I think this has everything to do with what we did a few years ago. And we hired Chip Kelly, bro. Chip Kelly. Um, Chip England. England. Chip England. Thank you. Right? When we hired Chip England, it all changed. And if you look at the stats, you look at that Shay's almost 50-40-90, uh, uh, right? And you look at J-Dub's almost 50-40-90, and you look at <laughs> Chet's 50-40-90. You guys are getting me, right? This all goes back to that moment where Sam Presti said, we need a guy like this to start everything for us. And I'll say this 100 times. The magic man in Oklahoma City, is Coach England, bro. The magic man in Oklahoma City is Coach England. Because what he's done with Shea, what he's done with J Dub, what he's done with Chet, what he's done with Josh Giddy's shot, bro, it's sick.
0: Yeah, it's been impressive to watch. And obviously, like you said, we're not there yet. So wherever there is, wherever we end up getting to, it's gonna be we'll impressive. I mean, I I've come to the conclusion I really think this team is um more than what a lot of people do. So that's me. I think we're contenders right now. I don't think that we need to wait to assume that we are. Uh, but it's there's nothing automatic. And if we're the second seed in the Western Conference, I'm assuming you have to go through a team like the Nuggets to get to the conference finals. You know, like you get to the number one seed, maybe you can avoid that. But the reality sure. is, either way, you're in a spot where you're gonna have to go up against champions on the way to you know, these conference finals. And so there's nothing going to be given. So we're trying to look at the style of play that we have and say, how playoff ready is it? You know, the architecture of this roster, how deep does it run? Can we withstand injury? Can we withstand, um, you know, droughts of not shooting the ball well? How does our defense hold up? How about our rebounding? What happens when teams overload this player, that player? What happens when they start picking on this thing or that thing? And you start kind of coming away with a team that doesn't really have a lot of perceivable weaknesses. And that's something that as an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, since hmm. the beginning, I, I would say we have in fact had zero teams with um hard to perceive weaknesses. All of our teams, all of our great teams always had easy to perceive weaknesses. You can think back Super and say as much as you could the, the highs of their highs were, there were some lows that were related to those weaknesses and our inability to be prepared for a a seven game series against the worst situation possible. Like when Hmm. your team hits the most worth, the worst shooting nights by your stars, can you overcome that? Our old teams weren't able to do that. And we could sometimes do it through hustle, but what we we see here is a team that has more support for the stars than we've ever seen before. And we have stars that are as bright as we've ever seen before. So, Really, that's why I come back to the coaching and I say, this is, this is a different level. And how far we hmm. go directly is related to how much those guys and the coaches can get these guys to believe that this is their moment. And it doesn't matter what anything, anybody else thinks about them, if they play up to their level, they can take this thing to the finals and, and even further, I believe.
1: Yeah, and, and I... I cannot reiterate enough. Like none of these guys in college hoops got a chance to win a championship. None of these guys have had an opportunity to win a championship in the NBA. Um, so they're hungry. You know, I, I look at Chet and I see him playing the way he is. He's hungry. He's playing like he's hungry. He's, he's like getting better every single night for a rookie. I mean, I, I get it. People are like, well, he's not technically a rookie. Fuck off. He's a rookie. Fuck off. He's a rookie. Leave the guy alone. When, when you talk about him not being a rookie, I just want you to go back, and I go back to this image of Chet. Halfway through the season, guys, mind you, halfway through the season, we're talking right around that February 1st time, maybe second week of February, and Chet is on a scooter where his foot is raised, and it's bent back, and he's shooting shots, right? That was Chet the entire season, guys. He was shooting shots with a boot on and stuff like that. That's not a season in the NBA. That is a, I got injured, I'm sitting on the sidelines, and I can't do shit, and I have to wear a boot around for nine months, right? That's what that is, right? So Chet, being a rookie and doing what he's doing, he's going to continue doing that in the NBA. It's going to dominate. He is truly one of a kind, and we are all lucky to be able to see him. And if that was the only thing that brought us to Oklahoma City, we'd be stoked. But it's not. It's not. We got J-Dub, right, right? J-Dub's Santa Clara. Nightmare, guys. Like, he is so difficult. His jab step, his, his driving to the hole, his step back, the way he separates, he's so good. And then you start looking at some of these other players that we have, right, man? And you should talk about Shea. You're talking about the MVP candidate right now. And I know people would be like, well, you got this player and this player and this player doing really well. Fuck off, guys. We don't have any other guys right now that are playing the defense and the offense. That Shea is doing and producing it night in and night out, right? And and Dort called it right, man. He's like, I don't know what people think if they like think that Shea's not as good of a defender, and they're putting like weaker guys on, uh, letting uh, Shea guard weaker guys. Like I, we don't know what's happening right now, but guess what? Shea's taking advantage of it so much. And when you're talking about MVP candidates, it's no longer going to be the best output of offense, like James Harden and and uh, guys like um, Luca will inevitably be one of those guys that are like, well, they would be an MVP candidate if they played defense. Because every year when you're having to go up against some guy that covers the defensive end, like Shea does, or like Chet does, or like some of these other guys, like Dominic Mitchell does, and you know some of these other guys that just play both ends of the court. You're not going to be sitting there saying, I'm going to give it to the MVP candidate, to the guy that only plays offense. It's just not. So this is what the new NBA is going to look like. It's individual, both you know sides of the court. I call it two-way players—two guys that are, or guys that are willing to go and play defense and go to the play offense. And if you look at this Oklahoma City Thunder team, right? Let's talk about it. Chet, great offensive, great defense. Shea, great offense, great defense. Jada, great offense, great defense. Right? Dort, great um, great defense. Working on his offense, I think he's doing incredible this year. Right. And then you got Josh Giddey on that starting lineups, right? I think Josh Giddy is is incredibly underrated with his his defense. The other night we saw him take um, a couple of the Nets players and just slightly get past him, right? And, and people be like, "Well, there's he, you know, the guy's got around him." No, he's he bodied them up as they're going to, around him to slow them down. Why would he do that? Why is because if he slows them down, makes it so they can't jump as high, Chet's right there, and that's what creates a block for Chet, and you see Josh Giddey do it multiple times recently, and you're like, wait a second, Josh Giddey is probably letting that guy go past him, slowing him down, letting him get past it so Chet can go one-on-one, knowing the guy's not going to be able to jump high enough to get a dunk. And I'm telling you, a defender like Josh Giddey that's been able to play like he has been able to play is special. And a lot of people get stuck on him saying, well, he's playing oh, you know, horrible on defense. Well, let me just tell you, he's playing the power forward on defense. A large, small forward on defense, okay? Right? And he's still smart enough to get them in a bad position to take a bad shot against him and against Chet. That's next level. And I love it, man. I love each one of these guys that are using the strengths that we have around them on the defensive end and making this team one of the best defensive teams in the league. And when you're talking about can this team continue to play like this and continue to get better and continue to do these things that we need to, It all starts on the defensive end. If this team could continue being an elite defensive team, it doesn't matter if we're having a bad night shooting because we're going to get 12 steals and we're going to score 20 points off of you of that 12 12 steals because we fast break so well. We get the ball in the open court because we have guys like Shea, guys like Josh Giddey, guys like J-Will, you know, J-Dub. I mean, they share the rock so well. We, it's, guys, it's insane. This team is designed right now to win. And anybody that's trying to distract you from saying, we need one more player, we need an extra guy right here, we don't. We want this season to play out so Sam Presti has a better understanding of what type of player to add. Because if he adds a player just off of the like, ooh, we should just add this player, then he's going to get his ass handed to him in the trade. And we all know being patient in the NBA means that you can get more for your buck, right? And Sam Presti is the best at that. So give the guy space and recognize that in a couple weeks, in a couple months, we'll have a better understanding of exactly what we need. And if Sam Presti says, I need to pull the trigger on this, and he'll pull the trigger. But if he doesn't, that means that, it guarantee you, that means that he knows what Mark and I have been talking about for a while now. Draft picks next year are going to be at a premium. They're going to be incredibly valuable. People are going to start wanting more draft picks. They're going to start realizing how difficult it is to get a draft pick. Because all these teams, I would say about seven teams, own, what, 75% of the drafts, draft pick, and the draft capital of all the rest of the teams, guys. Eventually, it's going to up the prices in first-round draft picks. And when that happens, Sam will be able to get a, a guy that cost four first-rounders. We'll be able to get him for two first-rounders soon. Getting a, you know, first rounder and a couple um, second rounders like that's what's happening in the NBA. And that's why we got to stay put, man. All right. So you're saying that you don't want to add a player in a trade. No, not right now. And, and this is and I, I want to like if we add a player, I want it to be somebody. that's a role player. Somebody like, and people laugh at me, but like a guy like Tristan Thompson, the old Tristan Thompson that comes in or the old, old Kendrick Perkins, right. That comes in and rebounds and shuts a big man down. Right. But even then I like what Jay will does and Mm Jay Will's so good at that. So I, again, I I just don't know where I would want to add a piece right now.
0: Me either. You know,
1: that it it seems like, who are we going to trade? Who are we going to trade? We're gonna trade what? Trade man? I, no, not do not trade Trey Mann right now. You got to give it's him like, one more year to figure it out.
0: It's like all these people who ignore the Thunder this whole time and even talk shit on them, assuming that we're like gonna pull off what the Pistons just did or we're some version of what the Spurs are doing. Look, the Pistons yeah, and the Spurs are by far bigger embarrassments to the game of basketball than yeah, what the Thunder were at their worst. The Thunder were still winning twenty plus games, you know mm-hmm. and. So we're sitting here and we're looking at this and we're saying like, what we believe is that the people who haven't been paying attention so don't Mike, know diddly shit about what this in. team needs and what it doesn't. The yeah. last thing we need is that people coming in and saying, oh, we're one player away. And this is the player that I think. And it's like, yeah, okay, you're Bill Simmons. Okay. You're, this is what you do. I get it. But like, just shut the fuck up and get the fuck out of here. Like we've been paying attention to this shit because. This team, it's been obvious to the people who know what's going on that they're building something yes. really special. So the people who have been just sitting there obsessing about the Celtics, you know, and the Clippers saying that these te- teams are title favorites and they need to win now and all this shit, they missed what just happened in Oklahoma City, which is a new dynasty has crept up. And here we are, we're facing it down and people are saying, well, we're too young. We're too immature. Mm-hmm. We don't have, um, you know, this or that. Our weaknesses are going to define us. We'll never turn them into strengths. And Coach D is just like, this is how we do it. And we get a little bit better every single day. I see him not get affected by the wins or the losses. They study the film. Like recently, we've been not just winning today, but like smashing teams. Just absolutely accelerating through the team. And I, I see us approach the fourth quarter the same way that we approach the first quarter. I've never seen this before in a basketball team. Do you know what I mean?
1: I know. I know, man. And uh, I just want to take a second before I, I say anything else and, and, and jump over here. Uh, new listener. Looks like we have Mike. Welcome, man. we uh, always love it when uh, we have new listeners. Um uh, we've got James, we've got Shane, Moani. Um, we also have Shout um, looks like Chris J. Love that. Chris. Um well, Shane, I already said Thanks Shane for joining us, Roberts. Chencho. Robert. What's up, Chencho? Chencho. Um good to yeah, see you, man. buddy. Good times, dude. Um, but again, I just like, I, I want to throw this and I want to reiterate what we're saying right now is because when you look at this team and you look at the the structure of what's happened and Sam Presti drafting these players and coach D coaching them and, and, uh, coach England and then there and throwing everything right. We talked about it early in our podcast is that in order to have a successful dynasty in order to have a successful team in general, an organization, you have to build it from the base up. And the base is a coaching staff, right? The base is, is how the GM um, and the president of basketball uh, really wants to be heard and, and recognized through the team. You look at all these other teams and, and the struggles that they're having right now and the pieces that they're missing and the blaring issues that they're having, it's because they have GMs that never really learn their mistakes. And as fun, much as we want to say that Sam Presti is the most perfect GM in the world, he would sit there and say that he's not. He's made a lot of mistakes. And because of those mistakes, he's been able to learn. Now we're looking at a position to have the second youngest team in the NBA, and we're having everybody stop right now and saying, maybe this team is good enough to change everything. Maybe this team is going to start a revolution in the NBA. Maybe it's this team that changes the generation from LeBron to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Hmm. Because everybody's saying, what's going to happen to The NBA, when LeBron's done in a couple years, and I got to say this is, if we're talking about what the NBA is going to look like when LeBron's gone, I got one thing for you. One thing and one thing only. Shea Gilgis Alexander, the Canadian guard that nobody's given an opportunity to. The guy that fell in a draft um, class that should not have fallen. A guy that's been overlooked and finally got his, his team to a FIBA medal. And everybody's still like, you know what? He doesn't belong in all-NBA team. But guess what he did? He doesn't belong in the All-Star game. And LeBron picked him very last in the All-Star game last year. Guess what? This year he's going to start. This is the year that everybody starts recognizing that this is Shea Gildas Alexander's NBA. He owns it. It's his bitch. And that's all I got for you. The
0: biggest competition in the league is who's the second best player on the Thunder.
1: So you guys, tonight, we're going live. Celtics game. Be there. We want to see you guys during the live game. We love you guys. Take it soon. Bam.